Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Point of More Returns. I'm your gracious host, Mast Investor, and with me we have Wall Street C. How's it going? Good, good. Okay, good to hear. Yeah, so a lot of things been happening. We just dropped an episode last month regarding the Inflation Reduction Act. And wanted to follow up because some of the conversation around EV and just transportation in general has been kind of front and center of the news lately. And I've had some conversations with friends and family and people are just trying to figure out, you know, hey, what's the best way to kind of navigate all of this? What's, what's your take? Should I go ahead and buy a new EV now? Do I need to just junk my gas car? You know, what's up? What's the play here? So we just wanted to put together something for you here to just get the thoughts going. Again, these are just our views. Do not accept this as advice and should go seek the help of a competent financial professional before making any financial decisions. And with that, let's go ahead and kick it off. So first thing I want to ask you, see, is there's a lot of things that's supposed to be happening. You, you saw the news where California is banning electric vehicle, gasoline cars. Other countries have already started that where you're not going to be able to buy a new gasoline car past a certain date. So just curious, I mean, within 10 or 20 years, I mean, what do you feel? I mean, you feel like Electric cars will be all the rage, or you think it's going to be a little further than that? Let's unpack that, right? So, with the news that came out, it was less than a, a month ago, as of this recording, that California is requiring everyone to have an EV. I think they're giving what was it like five to seven in the next five to seven years? Like yeah, they're 20, trying to go twenty thirty five. Twenty thirty five. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a little bit more time. So by twenty thirty five, they're saying, "Hey, we're gonna." pretty much have every vehicle on the road is going to be like electric, battery charged, that type of thing. So naturally kind of stirs up a frenzy, right? And we, we've we seen this coming for a long time, but this is the first time that I've seen in the US where like they've actually like took a stand and like plant their flag in the ground. Like this is where we are with this this legislation, right? The other part of it is what is the impact to the other states? Are they going to follow suit? Of course, we're assuming that they are, but we don't know necessarily. Like I've heard rumblings of other states like starting to enact the same types of ruling with the electric vehicles. Start thinking, hey, what is the actual impact of the economy as well as like climate change? And naturally, how does that trickle down to your wallet? So like we're looking at the potential impact of it is from an investment standpoint and opportunities and pitfalls that we need to be mindful of. So like you said, I mean, I'll flip it back to you because I know like you're the the subject matter expert in this field, but what do, what do you think is most likely to happen in the next 10, 15, 20 years with this like change? Yeah. So for me, I think you kind of got to take a look at where things are right now. First of all, to kind of take a step to really assess where things might be going. So where are we today, right? Well, right now, according to latest research, I mean, through 2021, light trucks made up 75% of new car sales. So the car market today is different than a car market was just three, four years ago, where you know you could go out and go find a sedan or a, a small car and easily get out there and start saving fuel. And now automakers are pretty much stop making those. They're just not as profitable as they used to be. It's the demand for trucks has gone up with the recession and just getting parts for cars has really shifted them to really focus on those things that are just going to be higher volume, dollar volume, just as a natural result, right? You want to use your parts and your 
most efficient way. I say all that to say, it looks like that the shift probably would be the way to go, right? And the reason why I say that is because, I mean, if you look at the way it's composed today with you know SUVs making up the most of the market and just you know the disability to get just regular cars from a dealer from a gas consumption standpoint, you're, you're kind of, if you want to get a car at that size, you're just going to have to go EV just to be able to get one, right? And so that increases adoption. You know, these people phasing out gas consumptions. I mean, some states, they just automatically default to what California does. It's written into their state charter. I think Minnesota is actually trying to fight it. The Minnesota Democrats actually are trying not to embrace it, but I think they're one of the states that automatically just kind of adopts California's standards when it comes to that. And so other states will probably just kind of have to follow them. I mean, think about it. If you're going to travel from a nearby state, you can't do it unless you're doing it in a car that fits the standards of that state. I mean, I saw some conversation in some of the chat boards where I think this is a good point that it's just going to be blase to, to roll up in a gasoline powered car after some point in time. You're just going to be, people are going to look at you like, what are you doing? You know? So I say all that to say, I think, you know, the shift to EVs is definitely going to happen. Whether it happens in 2035, I don't think it can really happen that far. I, I've seen some things where I think California may have to push that back and get people some more time to, to adjust because within, you know, even just that short period of time, being able to get an affordable electric vehicle, will manufacturers be able to produce them at in that time? We also will have to have the grid put in place to support it in that time. So I think it's a, a best case scenario if we get there by 2035, but maybe 2040, 2042, 2043, something like that is probably more realistic is what I'm thinking. But by then, they should be expecting to probably shift to electric so, vehicle. So we're in 2022 now, so 2035. So that's about what, 13 years or so. So yeah, 13 you don't years. think you don't think 13 years is enough time for like full adoption? No, because of the way, like I said, I mean, they're having problems getting vehicles now. I mean, like the new Bronco, they had to stop taking orders because they just don't have the parts to fill the demand for it. And so if they're having problems in that issue, they're really going to have problems moving forward, getting all the parts and supplies that they need in order to get enough cars on the road to meet the demand. I mean, you got to think about how many people are in California. And so they've got to get, let's say there's 35 million people in California. Half of those are probably driving, right? You're probably going to have to get at least 10 to 12 million vehicles, electric vehicles in California alone. Can automakers make enough vehicles within that period of time? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think today they'd be able to crank that out. And then again, you know, you have to make the grid retrofit it in order to fit all of these cars charging. Now, you know, there's also going to be some adjustments with people taking houses, which we'll talk into a little bit later. But I just think 2035 is a little bit aggressive. Aggressive. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. This is all nice to know. So we think we may have some extra time. It may not come in by 2035. But in the meantime, I mean, what's the play here? Well, fair. What a point of more returns listener do when they come across something like this? Yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting piece. And I know like specifically one of the industries that we follow on point of more returns is like the auto industry. And we've been talking about a potential shift and disruption for a long time. And it seemed to just, I don't know if it's been boiling for a long time. I'm assuming it is, but it seems like we just woke up one day and then boom, like we get this new ruling. But if I'm an investor and I see this, I'm thinking about what 
the actual impact and what the opportunities are. So I'll just rattle off a bunch of ideas, just kind of throwing it at a dartboard, and then we can kind of talk about it. So naturally, the auto industry. So we're we're talking about vehicles. So yes, there are like battery charge type cars now. Like everyone thinks most prominent brand is Tesla, right? But there are many other players in it. And then also the traditional automakers are also rolling, continuing to roll out their electric vehicles. And they're continuing to innovate and they're trying to maintain their market share with the gasoline vehicles. Like they're just trying to convert that over to electric vehicles. So that's just one particular area of the change. Then you have to talk about all of the parts makers, right? How does that make a shift? And then we have to talk about mechanics. We have to talk about what is the fallout for oil and gas companies. Then we have to talk about like all of the other players that continue to aid the auto industry where like you don't necessarily stop to go and get gasoline anymore, but there's going to be, I'm assuming a lot more battery charging stations that pop up. Then it's going to be advancement with efficient homes. And with efficient homes, you're going to also have like, hey, does this house have charging station where I can charge my my vehicle at home? Are there going to be like mobile, like where you can just charge it? I mean, they already have it where you can stop at a restaurant or a shopping plaza and charge it. But is it going to be like on the go where you can say, hey, I'm, I'm pulling up to the mask investor's house. I need to charge my car for a sec, but I have a different port than yours. So maybe I just have a mobile charging station that I keep in my car and I can just charge it wherever I park when I get to where I'm going. So those are just a few areas that I can think of just rattling off. But I mean, it's ripe with so much opportunity and it's, it's almost like you'll be able to just throw a rock in any direction and see like an investment opportunity. So I would flip it back to you. I mean, if you're an investor and you see this, like, What's your thought process? I think one thing you've already identified was, hey, it may take a little bit longer. So the investment time horizon changes. But in terms of the opportunity, there's still things that we need to keep our eyes open for. Like I said, I'll flip it back to you and you tell me. Yeah, in terms of opportunity, I mean, there's obviously there's going to be a turn of it here as you know, you're flipping to a whole entire new industry, right? Just to kind of look at what we're talking about here. I mean, people are just already trying to get predictions. Like for instance, Kathy Wood, she predicts that 45 million cars will be sold in the next five years. Now, I think that's optimistic. So do the automakers, they figure maybe 10 years, they could probably get to that, but still 45 million, that's an eye-dropping number. I mean, consider that in the US alone, you're talking about 17 million new cars a year, right? And that's just because of normal, you know, I'm just, I just want a new car. But now that people are going to be, you add to that a mandate, people will no longer be able to buy new cars. And I think that they'll start, you know, you'll still be able to drive if you have an existing gasoline powered car, right? You'll still be able to, I just want to make sure it clears up. You'll still be able to drive your car if you have one, right? But I think over time, you know, rules will start coming in and things like that, that will make it kind of punitive for you to drive that car. So eventually you'll just switch over. And then not to mention just the people will get more exposure to them as you get Uber ride or a taxi, or you'll run a car and you'll just see the joy of driving an EV. Most of the feedback that I've gotten from people who have driven them is just like, yeah, I'm never going back to a gas powered car again, which uh, I don't know. I still have to see it to believe it. I haven't. (laughs) But I think, you know, in terms of like what's the play here for you based on that, right? There's a couple of plays that I think one, just from a business standpoint, right? If you're looking for something to 
probably do as a business idea. You, you got a new version of a vending machine that you can do where you could go out and just buy an EV station, right? You could probably partner with, you know, you go to a local business like your barber shop, wherever people put vending machines, right? And instead of, you know, having a vending machine contract, say, hey, you know, I could put an EV station out here in your parking lot. We can split the revenues, you know, and people are willing to come up and pay, especially in a traffic area. I mean, you can think about that. You go to the barber shop while you're getting your cut, you can charge your EV while you're there. You know, you're normally there for about 30 minutes or so anyway, right? Getting a haircut. So people are willing to pay about three, $4 an hour for that charge. And I multiply that out over time and, you know, you, you got something there, I think. And then plus the fact that you don't have to, you know, go around and fill it with snacks like you do with the vending machine or take change out of it and all of that stuff really makes a pretty enticing thing. Now, how ubiquitous these EV stations will be, will we get them where there'll be one on every parking lot instead of every, you know, in every corner and things like that? I don't know. Maybe when the costs start coming down some more, they'll be more ubiquitous. But I do know, you know, when you look at that, I mean, think about the modern day convenience store, right? They're built around people coming to get gas. If you can put an EV in a parking lot, I mean, what do you need with a gas station for, right? So what happens with that entire industry, right? So that is an opportunity there too. You know, you could think about, okay, do we convert these stations to EV, which they probably will. But again, I mean, if you have a charger in a grocery store, you have a charger at places where you're running errand, why would you make an extra stop? I can get a charge while I'm at the store shopping in Target. I can get a charge while I'm, you know, eating lunch. Hey, speaking I mean, of, you, yeah. you just you just made me think about something. So right now we'll pull into the gas station and we can just fuel up in like less than 10 minutes and drive off, right? Uh-huh. I just thought about it. Like it takes time for these things to charge. So you can't just go and then fully charge your battery in like five, 10 minutes, right? It's going to take a little bit more time unless they continue to in- innovate and figure out how to do it faster. So yeah, like I'm thinking it would have to change from like a convenience store or a a charging station standpoint, right? Because you just, you're not going to pull up and then go get snacks and just wait for 30 minutes for your car to charge, I guess, right? So what does that look like, you think? Right. And that's the standard model right now that they're banking on is that you'll, you know, you well, that's what you kind of have to do right now is while you're driving down, you pull off on a highway, pull to a charger station and you have to wait 30 minutes or an hour to get back on the road. So Tesla's you know, been building these little pods and, you know, waiting areas and things like that to make it a little bit more pleasant. But I mean, going back to what I was thinking, I mean, when they become more ubiquitous, like, right, you know, I can charge it at the salon, I can charge it at the grocery station, I can charge it when I go to, you know what I mean? Where you go, you know, you just charge it while you're there for five minutes, unplug it, go to your next spot, charge it while you're at the next spot, just keep going, you know, and you're never really like out of charge, you don't have to worry about that. And then as the battery gets charged faster and they get more breakthroughs or challenges around the technology, then you know you won't have to wait as long, right? You could charge it up and it goes further and takes shorter to get there, just kind of like your cell phone. So I think, you know, but right now, you know, that that still opens up an opportunity for ingenuity around getting inside of and using it, kind of taking that vending machine model and buying up a EV station and placing it somewhere local. Another thing that you know, I want to touch on is maybe like with the car parts, again, tucked inside of the Inflation Reduction Act is the fact that vehicle in order to get qualify for credit, it has to have the parts, has to be bought from the US source and just made. So, you know, for those of you who could, you know, maybe partner with a business that's, you know, manufacturing parts or things like that it'd be worth it maybe to develop relationships with like in a dealer or somebody like that who 
wants to turn around and sell a vehicle, maybe it's a used vehicle. If you can change some of the parts out, make it 80% American, you qualify for a credit. You're able to push that car off the lot a lot faster. So something like that. Just those are two things that I wanted to kind of touch on for opportunities. There's also going to be some things around leasing, I think, more in the future. The next thing I just want to kind of look at is who's going to be the dominant player in all this, do you think? I mean, right now, who do you think is going to come out of here leading the pack? The one name that everyone keeps ringing out is Tesla, 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 right? Like they've Mm -hmm. been, I don't even want to necessarily say pioneer, but they've been in the forefront of this electric vehicle surge for what I think since 2013, 2014, that's when I really started to hear Tesla's name ring out, but that's just one particular company. But like I said, all, all of the automakers, right? But to your point, and I'll, I'll flip it to you, but I'm assuming there are going to be a lot more startups that, that enter the space and they're like going to be fighting for their spot as well. So like, if you know of those, like, I'll just like flip it to you and you can kind of spit out all of the, the additional players as well. I think your safe bet and you're right is Tesla, right? Because of just, if you look at the way things happen with like Uber or Facebook or whatever, you just have that network effect, right? Where if you build this network, it's kind of hard. Apple, this ecosystem and this network, it's just hard to get people to get out of that ecosystem to go somewhere else. And so Tesla has this huge head start with the charging stations. They've got more charging stations than anybody else has. You know, the owners have kind of some brand loyalty to it. And, you know, I, I see Elon moving kind of into other products like there's a robot they're supposed to be announcing tomorrow, some things about the driverless cars where he has an ultimate plan. If that ever comes to fruition, I still think driverless cars is is, is really, really tough. I'm not going to say it's a pipe dream, but it's closer to the pipe dream than reality is what I would say. That's definitely. But I know there's a plan where you can turn on your Tesla and let it go out and make money for you while you're sitting at work, right? Things like that. So not saying that other automakers won't be able to do it, but I mean, I think what Ford, they sold off their uh, autonomous driving unit, right? I think they invested in somebody else's. A lot of people have started and gave up on it, right? But he's still charging Ford with it. And just, I think just as long as he's dangling that carrot, I think that keeps people then, even if it doesn't come to reality, it's just kind of that, hey, I'm I'm building this or, you know, just dropping a press release, taking that Amazon strategy where you, you drop a press release. You may not even actually do it, but just the fact that you drop a press release sends people's stock price down and running for the hills and changing the whole industry. I think they had the 300-pound gorilla in the room, and I think they're going to remain that going forward just because of what they've already built today. That brings the question. I mean, so what happens to the prices of these things moving forward? I mean, what happens to you know your gas car price? What happens to your new car price for the electric cars and used car prices? What do you think thing happens with that? So what happens there? Yeah. So personally, I've been chomping at the bit. I always get used naturally gasoline cars, but used cars. And that's a topic for another day, but just depreciation and all that type of stuff. I'm like, I'm not overpaying for a vehicle. That's just my personal preference. But I'm chomping at the bit to get an EV. I think they're cool. I think it, it does something for the environment that I think is also beneficial for like humankind. But I'm waiting to see what the prices are going to be because they're in my seat, my position, they seem a little bit expensive for like the average consumer. And I think with more competitors entering the space, it's going to only be better for people that are looking to make car purchases. Even like the used prices, they don't seem to drop and depreciate like how some of these like gasoline cars have been. This is just from me 
like doing some Googling over the past couple of days and just reading. So like Lucid Motors, I think that's another EV company. And then again, I've said that already, but you know, all of the traditional automakers, like every single automaker is going to come out with their version of it. They're making a crack at it. Like Ford has the, the Mach-E, like Cadillac has one I was looking at. I can't think of the name of it. Was it light? I can't remember the name, but everyone's coming out with their version of it. So I'm just, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm curious to see what the prices are, are going to be. I, I hope that they're going to have a range of affordability. So like, no matter where you are in the, in the price point, like that selection, like you'll have something. So like people that want super ultra luxury, like they can get that. And then someone wants to go a little bit more economical. I think they should have like an opportunity as well. Right. Well, here's the thing that you've got to consider, and I don't have an answer for this, but this is just something I want to think about. I mean, what other technology do we have that we can kind of maybe draw from that could give us an indication of what's to come with this new technology, right? And when I think of it, the closest thing I think of is a mobile phone, right? The thing you got to remember, Teslas and these other EVs or technology is one of the things to driving these vehicles, right? And so my thing is, you know, after a certain while, right, your phone's not able to receive certain updates anymore, right? It just becomes the processor's not fast enough to keep up with the speed of the new apps and things that are being programmed into it. And so I don't know. I haven't even looked into it yet. It's something I've that's popped in my mind. But I just wonder how that will work going forward. I mean, because the onboard technology can only do so much, right? I mean, you're still using computer chips and transistors and circuit board circuitry that's you know being upgraded and overhauled each year. You know, you still have got Moore's law in effect, right? And so if you've got a processor that can't keep up with the new update, I mean, what happens to the price of that car? I think the same thing happens to the phone, right? It's just going to drop because, you know, your car can no longer do what the latest things can do on the road, right? I mean, it could still probably get you from point A to B, but I mean, with the new apps that are coming out, I mean, with the mapping and whatever else they put inside of the car, I think you're talking about something totally different in terms of what your technology can do. And, you know, if you're not able to process fast enough to keep up with the other cars, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. I just don't think it's I think that the way we buy cars will definitely change. I don't think it's going to be the same model anymore where you can just trade it in and you still got, I mean, 50%, 60% of your value, you know, 10 years from now, but maybe I could be wrong. I don't know. It'd just be something to kind of keep an eye on. I think that that would affect it. I think. So that what is. are you saying? Like the depreciation is going to be expedited. Like it's going to depreciate faster is what you're saying. I think obsolescence, you, you have to look at that in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about all things technology. I mean, with the amount of technology that is being put into these vehicles nowadays, I mean, the engine has technology, the computer circuit boards on top have technology. I think when you go to get it fixed, I mean, even now, you know, you got mechanics who can't work on certain cars, right? They're like, oh, we don't, can't find parts for it anymore, right? I mean, they phase out. Microsoft Word 97, like, hey, we're not supporting that anymore. So, I mean, will they do the same thing with these autos? I don't know. I mean, if they did, I mean, what's your recourse, right? If everybody's doing it and they're phasing it out for safety reasons, right? Or some other reason they come up with and you have to do the upgrade cycle. I mean, will people go to buying cars? 
hybrid cars? Will it just be a leasing model going forward? And that's why I think, I think that that's something that you have to kind of take into account is maybe just the way our relationship with these vehicles has changed will change. It's not where you'll just own a vehicle outright anymore. And it just makes more sense to lease. Whereas now, you know, with a gasoline car, it doesn't really make, cause you know, you can still run a gasoline car on a road after 20, 30 years, right? 10, 15 years. I mean, other than some luxuries inside of it, you know, it's still going to run, but yeah, it's functional. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. But with this, I mean, I don't, I just don't know. I, just be interesting to see what happens. Just something to kind of pay attention to moving forward, I think. And maybe, you know, we talk with some other techs. There's probably someone who's already said that, hey, you know, these things aren't going to go obsolete. You know, Tesla promised that they're going to keep updates, which I don't know how you do that, right? Again, again, it comes down to the chips that they put inside of it. You know, the chips, this Moore's law in effect, they come in with faster processors every year. And these things are so tech heavy and people are building apps based on the speed of the chips, the same with the phone. Because after a while, you know, what happens to your phone? You just can't run certain apps anymore. And so, I mean, will that happen with your Tesla where it's just like, you know, hey, this Tesla's too old to run, you know, Tesla version, Mac OS 13, Tesla OS 25 or whatever, right? And so at that point, you know, you're running an obsolete system, you're open to get hacked, just that type of thing. So just something I think that you may have to take in consideration. That's a really good point. So that's one particular challenge to the EV makers in this space. And then that also like impacts the consumers and what we have to be mindful of. So that's one particular challenge. Like you said, the speed of the depreciation, like the obsolescence and the planned obsolescence. And then one thing that I've been reading that I thought was really interesting, like the location of the battery like the plates, like they're usually the batteries at the bottom where they get charged for some of these EVs. And because of the location, like I think it was like the lithium, it's more prone to like catching on fire. So I know it's not going to be every single EV like just turns and catches on fire, but that is a particular concern. If you're buying an EV, it's like, hey, is this thing going to burn up? Right. So I'm assuming that they would have to address that as well because that is a, ch- a direct challenge to people that are purchasing is like, Hey, is this safe? Like what's the safest one? I've heard like this particular brand safety reviews aren't as high. Like with this whole catching on fire thing, that's a potential challenge for a lot of these makers as well. So have you heard anything about that? Or do you have like an opinion on challenges with the EVs and like certain issues that you would have with the EV versus like a gasoline vehicle versus a gasoline vehicle? Yeah, like just the fact that there are going to be some challenges with the EV that you don't necessarily find like with the gasoline vehicle. So being that we're going over to this switch, like you said, in the next 10 to 15 years, like what are the challenges that the the makers are going to have to like overcome? Some of these traditional automakers are still running like concept vehicles. Like you said, like some of them are backwarded. They can't make them and perfect them fast enough to like get them out on the road. There has, they're dealing with some type of challenge to like roll this thing out. The challenge is just, you mentioned another day with the batteries, right? The factories have challenges with sometimes the batteries catching on fire, right? Getting the parts in and then just distributing it out, right? Just getting, making sure that they're keeping up with the demand because it's so strong right now for a lot of the vehicles. They can't build them fast enough, right? I imagine, you know, in the future, that 
since you don't have, they, they're coming up with some things like, you know, circular manufacturing. I, I don't think that once they finally get the battery, the main challenge is just going to be around the battery, around the batteries. I don't think the car manufacturing and distribution model also is going to change, right? Because they're you got Rivian challenging the dealership model. So they're going to try to do the direct consumer. I see the dealership model. Yeah, that's going to eventually go away. They're trying to hold on to it, but the economics just won't be there. I mean, people are going to demand you can order it online, just get your color. You may go down to the to the thing to test drive it, but they're not going to have it on site. They're going to have to deliver it to you. Know, you know, keeping it in inventory is just going to be a thing of the past. So I, I don't, I just don't see how the dealers survive off a model where you, you know, the, at least the old dealer model where you just go and you have a lot and you just have a bunch of cars there and a lot of them sitting down and then you have to try to fire sell them at the end of the month. It just, it's just not the way of the future and what people, the experience that people want. I mean, even the experience, everybody talks about going to a dealer and it's just like, man, I got to go down here and haggle with them. And people are just over that. And so I just don't see where that's going to be the way that people are going to keep buying cars moving forward. Uh, lastly, I want to touch on something kind of car related, but maybe not so much. It's just, okay. So we were talking about the way that the cars are going to be charged. You're going to go maybe pull up to an EV stand. But the other thing that you got to think about too is, you know, can you use what, what innovations are going to come out as a result of this higher demand for power, right? Because now we have to change the grid. We have to come up with more creative ways to put enough surplus energy into the grid so people can start charging their cars. And so I think you'll start seeing the solar movement pick up a little faster too now. You're going to probably, you're not going to be able to, I just saw, I was thinking maybe you have solar panels on a Tesla, but according to what I'm seeing, it's just so inefficient. It's just not worth the time to do it. You wouldn't have the footprint on a Tesla in order to get enough electric, enough solar power generated to run it for any time, running time that's worth your time. But, you know, they're able to go home and charge up your Tesla, charge up your car without, you know, going into the grid. I think solar can definitely help with that. And so the reason why I say that is that there's a company that Elon Musk also owns, right? That isn't really getting a lot of press, but I think he's going to, just from what I've seen, maybe incorporate some of his strategy from Tesla to kind of get this taken off. It's called Boxable. And what they build is these little homes that are probably about, I don't know, about 1,000, 1,400 square feet, right? But inside of it, you know, it's just, you've probably seen these little tiny homes before where you just got, you know, your bed and sink and oven and just kind of really small space. But part of it is that they're going to have solar panels within them. And he also has like Tesla plugs inside of it. So I imagine that, you know, along with buying those, that being able to charge your Tesla and it being very compatible with your Tesla, probably to get upgrades quickly and things like that will probably be in those plans. You can buy these things for like $10,000. You can stack them. You can build them out on top of each other. There's just some really creative ways people can do with them to build housing especially with the state of affordable housing right now in America. So I think this really will help kind of solve some of that battery charging station 
issues that you have. And I imagine that they're probably going to play into putting these out as charging stations and lounges as well for people on the road, charging up their vehicles. So I would just kind of just pay attention to that too, as you look at this thing being built out going forward and play there as, Hey, you know, if you got want to put together and start investing in some of these boxables and maybe trying to play it out from that, you can also do that as well. You got any thoughts on that? To your point, I think being able to just navigate and be free in the sense of you're not tied down to a particular place, city anymore. Like you can literally uproot, like you can take your EV and potentially have like your whole place, like easily move. Whereas, you know, if you have like a traditional like brick home, like gasoline vehicle, it's just, it's hard to move as freely. And I think the the advancement of technology and the advancement of the way that people are choosing to live, especially with like the big change from COVID and people like opting to work from home and like be able to move somewhere completely different. And still, I think it's, even though it's completely different industry, like it's disruption in real estate versus auto, I think there's still some type of overlap in terms of what people are looking for in the future of how people want to like live and work. Agreed. Agreed. Well, it certainly makes it easier to do something that we may have an episode coming up soon to go nuclear. And I guess with that, I mean, we're coming up on time here. Just want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Point of More Return. We'll be back with you all next month. Any parting thoughts? Nope. Again, we, we appreciate you tuning into this episode. We really enjoyed it. And We'll continue following up on the industry as as we see things change. All right. Sounds good. Until next time. See you then.